Hi, Parker. Hello. How Welcome you doing? to Diddy TV. I'm glad to be here. Has anyone ever told you that you're really, really talented? <laughs> uh, my will. mom. My Your mom. mom. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure she every, has every, to say that. She has to say that. Well, I'm going to say it too. Um, it was an amazing set. Well, thank I, you. I kept hearing some Delta blues in there. I love blues music. Yeah. It's did like you grow up listening to Delta blues, or when did you sort of when did that come into your consciousness? Yeah. Um, so my dad was always listening to blues music, and it wasn't always Delta blues. A lot of it was more, a little more modern than that, like, you know, Chicago blues, like Muddy Waters and stuff. So the stuff electric that blues. came from the Delta, yeah. And then um, as I got older and figured out how Wikipedia worked, I, like, started just researching, like, who are all these people that were making this music? Um, and, uh, yeah, thanks to the Internet, I was able to dive into that and really get into it it's like i feel like most even modern popular music its roots are in the blues oh yeah um, all these all these guys it's amazing they said you know you know blues rock blues had a baby and it was called rock yeah, yeah something <laughs> yeah. like that yeah it's a muddy water song the blues they had a baby <laughs> and they named it rock and roll yeah well and you're from oklahoma mm -hmm. originally oklahoma city uh, I grew up in a town called Purcell, about 30 minutes south of Oklahoma City. Um, I grew up thinking it was like the suburbs, but then I learned it was actually just a small town. <laughs> <laughs> it's rural. Did it sound better that it was the suburbs? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, just, I don't know. To me, it's a 15-minute drive to the city. That's, you know, that's a suburb, right? <laughs> right. Well, did you, were you on a farm or you were just no, in a suburb? No, no, just like in a, it's a town of like 7,000 people, mm -hmm. um, just lived kind of like on the outskirts of town and a, you know, a little addition, you know. And you grew up going to p a Pentecostal church, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was, uh, like, a lot of my formative musical experiences were in the church. Um, as soon as I was able to, like, operate a capo and play five or six basic chords, they let me, like, sit down front in church and play along with the other guitar players and stuff, um, not plugged into the PA. But then once I had a handle on it, they let me plug in the PA. Um, and so, yeah, three times a week I was playing live music. Do you think growing up and playing music in the Pentecostal church kind of um, piqued your interest in music in general? or? Yeah, in all the ways. Mm -hmm. um, to I remember being a kid and seeing people at church making music with their bodies, <laughs> you know, yeah, with their fingers mm -hmm. and their voices and their feet and their hands, tambourines, you know, the whole thing. And it's magic. Like, I remember thinking, this is magic. How are they doing this? Um, and I still try to keep that perspective. You know, it is magic. It's, it's, it's sublime and surreal. And it's, it's so much bigger than like the music industry or fame or any of that. And I'm glad that I got to grow up in church where that was the case, where music wasn't made. Nobody was getting paid, as far as I know, to play music in Pure church. joy. It, for a greater purpose. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, I'm just really glad that I got to experience music in that form because it's rarer and rarer today that somebody is playing music for the joy of it or for just something bigger than themselves, like God or whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. you know? Well, I always, uh, we've had a lot of people in Diddy that, at Diddy that have said that they were influenced by the Pen Pentecostal church mm -hmm. and growing up in the Pentecostal church. For me, it seems like there's a lot of emotion. And as a performer, mm -hmm. to actually grow up 
playing music and singing and like you said, your whole body's in it, you're tapping. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where you get those great performances because when, when you're a little bit afraid to put yourself out there, it's really hard to be that kind of performer. And so there's a lot of that that comes from the Pentecostal church, that mm-hmm. release of emotion. Yeah, there's a sense of vulnerability, mm-hmm. I think, that comes with church music because, again, you're not trying to impress anybody. You're saying, here I am, God, or yeah, the great spirit in the right, sky, yeah. or yeah, whatever you want to call it. You're yeah. saying, here I am trying to give you something you know here's what i have here's what i have to offer is like this is what i do is i play guitar and i sing so when did you pick up the guitar (laughs) um i started playing guitar when i was about seven i think i convinced my parents to get me a guitar when i was about six and after a year of hearing me try to figure it out on my own (laughs) they got you some lessons you got to take some lessons boy (laughs) so i did that for quite a while like pretty much through from like age seven or eight until about 16 or so I was taking guitar lessons and playing at church and like being in high school bands and yeah when did you feel like it clicked I can play I can sing at the same time pretty early on um I was always trying to do it Mm -hmm. um and for a very long time I wasn't interested in singing um I just wanted to be a guitar player um singing was something that everybody did at church you know, I, I don't know. I just didn't really put it together. Um, but then eventually I was in, you know, high school bands and I started writing some songs for us to sing. And um, eventually I was like, well, I'm going to sing it because I'm the one who knows how it goes because <laughs> I wrote it down, you know. Um, and so kind of by default, I was like the guy who would who would sing. Yeah. Well, you have a beautiful voice, too. Thanks. And uh, and you started songwriting along the way. Mm-hmm. Did that start in high school or after? Uh, really, the first I remember writing a song when I was about five or six years old. Before I played an instrument, I remember making up songs, um, dumb stuff, great kid stuff, pure, pure, <laughs> pure kid stuff, pure kid stuff. Um, Did the lyrics so come to you, or is yeah, it yeah, lyrics and okay. melody? Like mm-hmm. I remember there was one song that was about like a girl in preschool or something. I'm not going to sing it for you, but I remember the <laughs> words and the melody. Um, so yeah, I, I, that was a cool feeling. Like, Oh, I made something. I, I can't see it, but I made something. <laughs> so when you, when you write a song, it, the melody and the lyrics kind of come together and then you figure out how to arrange it on guitar or do you come up with a, some kind of strumming pattern and all of a sudden it'll start to evolve that way or, all, all of, of the above. All mm-hmm. of it. it. It's different for every song. Um, the best is when you get like a lyric and a melody together. A lot of times that makes it way easier. You get a melody that has a lyric already attached to it. And then you can take that one lyric say, okay, that feels really good. What else? How can I make this a whole song? How can I take what this lyric is saying and pull? Or there's the hook. Yeah, like how exactly. can I make a whole song exactly out of the this hook. hook? And sometimes the hook isn't doesn't end up being like the hook or the chorus of the song. Mm-hmm. It ends up being like a piece of a verse. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about like taking that idea and putting a spotlight on it and interrogating it <laughs> until it gives you some answers. Yeah. Where's your favorite place to write? Um, lately, I, I just moved houses and I've been having a lot of luck in the basement. It has this basement that like walks out to the backyard and it's like a big long backyard with a train at the end of it. So um the train's always going by, and there's always all kinds of graffiti. I'll often look up and, like, try to read some graffiti if I'm looking for a new word. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But yeah, it's just it's I've got like a whole room. It's peaceful. Yeah, it's quiet. peaceful. Um, and I've got like a whole room with it's just full of guitars and a piano and drums and stuff. Um, which is the first time I've had that since probably I lived at my parents' house <laughs> in high school. Um, so it's been great. I just space wa- is good. Yeah, I wake up mm-hmm. and I go down and it's it's clean and the only thing in there is like music stuff, you know. So other arrangements is mm-hmm. your latest album. Mm-hmm. Did you record that in Nashville or? We recorded it in Asheville. Asheville? North Carolina. I love Asheville. Yeah, it's a great city. Um, yeah, we recorded it at a place called Echo Mountain. Mm-hmm. It's there just a couple blocks from downtown Asheville. And what was the experience like? Did you, um, were you still writing or had you already written all the songs before you got to the studio? It was probably 70% mm-hmm. written and about 60% rehearsed mm-hmm. <laughs> going into the studio, so there was a little bit. Road of tested a little bit? Yeah, mm-hmm. some of the songs were, and then some of them didn't come together until after most everything else was done. And so we ended up recording it in Nashville at uh, the producer's home studio. But the, the majority of it was there in Asheville. And um, yeah, I had more than half the songs done and a bunch of pieces of other songs, and I had run through the songs with the band at least a couple times before we went in. What would you say is a little bit different about this album uh, from previous albums? Um, it's a little less, uh, the imagery is less religious mm-hmm. in nature. Um, I still haven't figured out if that was a conscious or unconscious decision. More secular, more dealing more with secular. human topics. Yeah, and just like a little more about love and sex and a little bit less about existential crises. Um <laughs> Um, and, and it's a little less character driven. It's a mm-hmm. lot of this record is written from like I, mm-hmm. the from you know my point of view, um, whereas my previous ones have been a little more uh, fiction. Fiction, um, esoteric sort yeah, of. Yeah, or just like taking somebody like the song is written from somebody else's perspective. I'm mm-hmm. being a character through the song, but this record it just feels more like pop songs or rock and roll songs, whichever one you call it. Well, so you said the previous ones were sort of written from the, you know, third party point of view, and this is Mm -hmm. more about you. Do you think that's part of kind of evolving as an artist, where you allow yourself to be more vulnerable and um, let people know a little bit about you? Uh, Yeah. Yes and no. A lot of what was going through my mind when I wrote a lot of the songs and other arrangements was really based on the live show. Like, I'd been touring with a band, wanted to tour with, keep touring with the band, and I kind of got tired of singing sad songs all night, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Sure. Um, like, I don't, I want people when they leave a show to n- feel like they've watched a good movie mm-hmm. or something, that, that, that they've hit all the, like, the low points of a life and the high points and happy and sad. And it felt often like this show was turning into, like, a dirge. And, <laughs> like, I didn't want people to leave and be like, God, oh, that was so heavy. Um so I wrote songs that I thought would be really fun to play live, and that seems to be the case so far. I'm still having a blast playing them. So That's the most important thing. And you had some uh, um, really interesting opportunities. You were on Conan. You played mm-hmm. television show. Um, how was that? Was that it stressful? Was awesome. I would no, think it would be stressful. I mean, it was a little bit like mm-hmm. this, but mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like just a little bit more whirlwind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, TV is just a different medium. You know, I'm used to like load in got an hour and a half to like get your stuff set up and hang out and then eventually it culminates in this you know hour and a half show Mm -hmm. but with the tv thing you load in and it's like 
a 15-minute load in between this time and this time, and you have the stage for exactly 20 minutes to get set up and sound check and get your levels, and then you go wait in the backstage, and they're like, and now you're on. Right. <laughs> and then you run out there, and you do your one song. You're like three, three to four minutes, mm -hmm. and then they pull you back off the stage. So it's almost like the inverse <laughs> of a regular show. <laughs> well, and um, I also read that Elton John, you, you played with Elton John, mm -hmm. but he saw you, I guess, in a, in a show in Atlanta. Yeah. And then he commented that you restored his faith in music. Th that's a huge compliment coming from Elton John. <laughs> he restored my faith in music. <laughs> um, hanging out with him was really... Uh, I'm just grateful. Like, you don't get to step into somebody's world like that very often. And I was able to, like, for a couple of days, basically, just kind of live in that world. Um, and the main thing that I took away is that he is still grateful for music. And he still, that's, that's what he wants to talk about, is, like, blues piano players and rappers. And that's what he wants to do, is go find new records and listen to them. And... He's constantly finding new things, and he's been a superstar for 40-something years. It's hard to maintain that, that and long. he's Yeah, and he's consistently put out, like, wild material mm -hmm. <laughs> and sold it. Um, and he still loves what he does and respects the craft, and I think he really does see music as something bigger than the commerce and the fame, you know, even though he is Elton John. Um, that's inspiring to me. It must be great to get to a point in your career where you have these opportunities to work with other people and and some of the folks you may have idolized when you're younger. Mm -hmm. uh, those are the folks that they've had this long career. And when you're a younger artist and you look at that and you say, well, how did they do that? Mm -hmm. And just to be able to work with those folks has got to be really, um, really wonderful. Yeah, it's surreal. And I've just kind of learned, like, the reason they're still doing it is because they kept doing it. <laughs> you know, that's if you just keep doing it, you can keep doing it. <laughs> well, we hope you keep doing it. I, and, me too. Uh, <laughs> and that you come back, when you put out your next album, come back by and stop by the studio, either yourself or with your band. Hopefully um, full band next full time. Full band we'll would make be a lot of fabulous. Yeah. We'd love to have everybody back and um, wish you the best as you tour. And uh, thanks for coming. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 